Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is the Fizzle Show. Uh, where uh, we are what I call small-time entrepreneurs. We earn a living independently with tools on the internet and classic business best practices. And in this show, we publish our conversations about building a sustainable business you can be proud of that will also support your family. And there's nothing small about that. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. There's three hosts uh, here. We're kind of hard to separate between uh, each of us, but you'll get it in time. Corbett Barr, he's sort of the intelligent one with all of the experience in venture-backed startups and sabbaticals and things like that. Barrett Brooks, he's sort of the young one. He reads all the books and uh, and th- has all the answers, I guess. And I'm Chase Reeves. I'm the one who I don't know. I don't know what I do here, but they haven't fired me yet. In this episode, uh, listen, and last week in episode 107, we started off a list of 10 marketing channels to grow your small business, and we talked about each one of those. Well, in this episode, we complete that list with nine more channels, as well as a framework for choosing and testing these channels in your own business. It's a good conversation. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 108. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. And we're back! <laughs> I can't get enough of that. It's just, I can hear it in my head before, like, any time we press record. Did you just turn radio voice on? And I did turn on radio <laughs> voice. I'm glad you asked. I, I try to turn that off. I don't know how to do it, but it's, it's definitely a different... We were just sitting here, dear listener, and, and just kind of chatting back and forth, yeah. waiting for Barrett to... took him like 19 minutes to get his microphone yeah. plugged in. And so we were jamming back and forth, but like uh, as soon as we started recording... you ha- I, I mean, you have to, you're have you the host, so it's a little different. I don't yeah. feel like I have too much radio voice, but when we shoot videos, I got video voice. You got video voice for days. I'm like... Hey everybody, I'm Corbett Barr, and yeah. welcome to. <laughs> you do. You turn into one. Actually, your character on video is really great. We listener, we just recorded. Uh, Barrett was in town here, and we recorded uh, a, a whole new string of videos for the guided tour. If you sign up for Fizzle at Fizzle.co, it only costs a dollar. Uh, you go through this funny kind of guided tour, and we're updating all of those videos with Barrett and and uh, Corbett and myself. And uh, a couple of them required all three of us at the same time, if you know what I mean. And a few of them were just one at a time. But one of the things that's amazing, it's hard to do this. I'll, I'll mention this really quick, and then we'll get on to the topic. We, um, we're going to do an episode pretty soon on how we do our courses. Oh, we are. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, are we? Oh, are we? Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we are. <laughs> oh, they're OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Oh, are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I wish I could, I wish I could just do like a Jason Schwartzman voice and people are like, Oh my God, that's Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Add him to the list of things that I would love to be able to do. God, that, that is my favorite movie, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's magnificent. Strong. And let's not even mention what it is. So people can just in the comments, just shout it out. All right. Just shout it out. Um, so, uh, we are going to be doing a course soon where I, I, or not a course, rather a, an episode of the podcast where I just, I have created all these little tips and tricks for creating a script, uh, delivering that script to camera. We have all of these ideas for that we've had to create here about, all right, so how can we create a course knowing that some of the things are going to be, uh, like a, maybe a public version of this lesson could be, could be something for the blog that, that could be really good and shareable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just know that that's coming. I'm sort of chomping at the bit because I, I would love to tell you my little uh how to memorize bits of the script script thing that i got to teach barrett but um but uh, in the meantime we'll just we'll just go with that's coming soon what a tease what a tease right such a tease i'm like biting my lip over here oh <laughs> gross <laughs> stop looking at me like that <laughs> all right barrett tell us what we're getting into today well today we have nine more marketing channels from the book traction so last week, we got into uh, 10 of these marketing channels, and we covered a lot of the ones that people in our audience especially use, and there are nine more, and we figured, you know, if we only give them 10, can we really leave them hanging with the other nine? I don't know. I, nobody knows, actually. <laughs> 
So, and that's what we're here to find out. That is what tune we're here in, to find out. Tune in so. this week for this week's episode. So, Barrett, what are the what are the actually before you list off the previous ten that we covered? I just Corbett, you're sort of bouncing over there. What what's going on? There's a lot. It seems to be a lot of caffeine in your blood. There is, in fact, I think um, maybe about three times more than I intended to take <laughs> <laughs> because I bought some cold brew. Uh huh. Yeah. Cold yeah. brew coffee, yeah. like in a little carton sure. thing. And it is concentrated. But you didn't you didn't know that? No, I think I read that and I knew it, but, like, but it didn't really it didn't mean anything. You're to just me. like, I'll just throw it all on a travel mug with some ice cubes. Yes. And so now you're and it is strong. You're literally like you're kind of levitating. <sighs> I feel like the earth is rejecting you. You know that sense of <laughs> impending doom you get when you have too much caffeine? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Whew. oh my gosh, how strong were those things I just ate? <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> just Seriously. Keep building. Where is this tri- trip going to take me? <laughs> okay, Barrett, so what did we cover in the last episode? The 10, uh, the 10 marketing channels that we covered. In the last episode, we talked first about content marketing, which is blogging, podcasting, and video. Mm-hmm. Then we talked about viral marketing, and we talked about mostly Chase and his viral marketing tactics. Yeah. Uh, we talked about public relations. We talked about unconventional PR, a.k.a. stunts. We talked about search, en- search engine marketing and search engine optimization, which are different. We talked about email marketing, uh, guest posting, offline events, and speaking engagements. Those were our 10 last time. Okay, got it. And and we have how many more for this one? It's we, nine, right? We have nine more this time. And then Tim Aton, Aton suggested in the comments of the last I believe episode. It's Tim a ton. You Tim know a what ton. I mean? <laughs> Tim a ton. I like Tim a ton. Uh, yeah, that one. He suggested that we should go over the testing method for each of these channels that they suggest in the book. So we'll tack that on to the end here. Okay, cool. Um, so let's try to, uh, I guess, go go... Let's, let's, I, I don't know exactly which ones you're going to get us into. Uh, I, uh, and so we'll just make a decision. Just spring it on us. Just spring it on us and, and we'll decide if we want to spend a lot of time or a Let's make time this on. a gotcha podcast episode. Gotcha. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. That's really what I, I hope good, happens on. I got most a good gotcha, Jeff. Here, I'm going to pull that up. Yeah, yeah you go right ahead. Actually, so in I'm the meantime, mm-hmm. the first channel for today or the 11th in the past two episodes is uh, offline ads. And so. We're talking TV, radio, billboards, newspapers, magazines, flyers. Corbett, flyers. Under yeah, the Corbett, wiper. didn't I talk about those? Corbett talked about flyers. <gasps> you guys. It's, it's like you wrote this book. That's this one. So re- repeat those again. TV, so anything, anything, radio, radio offline, billboards. Board, newspaper, magazines, flyers, anything offline. You guys have any experience with those? No, I uh, I have experience with trying to pull down billboards because it's like you know keep your laws off my body. Am I mm-hmm. right? Am yeah. I right? Yeah, yeah. clear yeah. channel, clear channel. I'm talking to you. Keep yes. your laws off my body. You want to get some radio time or billboard time? You got to go through clear channel. In the uh, back in the day, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but back in the day, like, and I'm sure there's still some 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 people factoring into this equation now, but like, and we, I wish we were fighting it more, but billboards were. Like a lot of the advertising world, not a lot of it, but very, very few of the advertising world. But some one of my heroes, Howard Gossage, mm-hmm. he was at the head of this campaign to just destroy all billboards and what? make them illegal. Oh. Because he he uh, he made a great agency that mostly worked with organizations like the Sierra Club and a handful of other stuff. Uh, and then doing like the odd corporate thing when they needed to pay the bills for like weird gas companies. But even then they were amazing, exceptional ads, just funny and quirky. Um, but the, the whole idea is like, think about it. Like, like who, you mean you own the air? Like you own just like what you get to, what you could just interrupt all of us wherever we go. Like this is the, the, the culture of advertising now. It's like interruption. So all of these TV, radio, billboard, newspaper, magazine ads, flyers, these are all things that, you know, famously Seth Godin would be like, this is interruption advertising as opposed to permission marketing. Right. Right. That's right. And I think that that is more than ever one of the most exciting things. I don't know. I think that part of that little turn between those two things, permission versus interruption advertising, that's what makes me so excited that's one of the things that, that, that really interests me about what it looks like to do business today. Mm-hmm. Post, it's almost like post-capitalistic business. Right. But you know don't, what I mean? Don't you hear all the time, though, about like somebody who figured out like some little loophole or, or like some undiscovered or formerly discovered 
uh, advertising, like on radio or something. They're like, yeah. or like you, you hear like, what is it? The Shane company is on radio all the time. Obviously, that seems to work for them. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Shane from yeah. the Shane company. <laughs> yeah. This engagement season, it, whoo, is it ever busy? <laughs> if you're. <laughs> another voice i'd love to be able to do and people go that'd be good wow whoa that is mr shane <laughs> exactly um now another one is uh, got a friend in the diamond business whoa, whoa! nailed it uh brooks bomb that was pretty good oh and the uh what was the guy that made the suits who got yeah, fired from yeah. his own I, company I was, I was thinking of the same thing i was like i'm not only a member, he got i'm also a client yeah exactly <laughs> no that's hair club for men no oh is it <laughs> I don't know. I think it was what's his name because I went to camp with his kids. I and then, that. and then the um, P90X they yeah they had a lot of success with uh, infomercials. So obviously. what are you getting at though? Where well, you... and that's an online business, right? So yeah. well, sort of. I guess yeah. it's like yeah, partly online. Um, I have a neighbor <laughs> when I live in Mexico. Uh, his name's Billy, and he was a um, essentially like the carpet king of St. Louis. Standard. And. <laughs> He, he, uh, wait a minute. The carpet king of St. Louis? Well, that wasn't his name. That wasn't his name, but he ran a. I know the carpet king of St. Louis. <laughs> seen his ads everywhere. People, maybe people listening to this have. Yeah. I'd be curious to know if they have because he, um, he ran a, a chain of carpet stores, flooring stores in St. Louis. And he found that there was this late night airtime you could get for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And he really liked to be on television himself, so he wrote a bunch of songs. This was kind of in your model, Chase. I feel like if yeah. you made some late night commercials, yeah. they'd be like this. So he's the Red House. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, there's gonna be like seven people who've seen that video, and they're gonna go, "Yeah!" And just don't worry about it if you haven't. <laughs> we could find Billy's uh, video on YouTube, actually. Okay, I'll put it in the notes. He'd oh, that's incredible. Uh, he has some videos on YouTube. You can find. Hold on, but you were getting towards something. You were saying, you <laughs> well, know. Well, so, so the idea is, I mean, it, so you can dismiss it. It's interruption marketing or whatever. Yeah. But on the other hand, as a business owner, I mean, you can also say, well, people are watching television for yeah. free, and they kind of have an unwritten contract with the network yeah. that if I'm going to watch this free programming, I have to endure 90 seconds yeah, of I mean, Well, there's no other way to do it unless right. you pay for HBO, which, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord you can do that. And Netflix now. And, yeah. I mean, think about how much original stuff's getting made thank by Netflix. Thank Lord of the Rings, you can do that now. Yeah, <laughs> thank L-O-T-R. Uh, so, but you're right, you're right. There's a, there's a cost to this. But the the even in, I just read this, this one of my favorite books that I've read in the last five years. Uh, one of the only books I've read in the last five years. Um, Mirror Makers, it's a history of advertising mm. uh, in America specifically. <laughs> And, uh, like it was like even 50 years ago, uh, the presidents and, and heads of the FCC and things like that were, were all bemoaning the fact that like, how many ads are there going to be in a 30 minute, like show block. Right. right? And now there's more than there's ever been before. Um, and and, the goddamn volume is louder than it's ever been. So all of this thing, all of this stuff where, and, and we're, the consumer is quote unquote protected by the organization, the FCC that's fighting for us. But there was a time where there wasn't that. And second of all, we're here now. It's worse than it's ever been. Worse, you know, in quotes, as if you're some, you know, liberal like me, I guess. But, but the point being, these, these kinds of offline ads, any advertisement in general, um, there's another way. There's the, the inspiring thing to me is how can you do this stuff in a way that, that feels right like you, yes. you know, and that feels like, like this is like winning. And I've seen it from time to time. I mean, I even, even stupid TV ads, like, uh, I remember the, the the string of Chrysler ads that they made with Eminem music, and it was about Detroit yeah. coming back, and it was about like those were you know, good. They were great. The Matthew McConaughey's aren't bad. Yeah, they're not they're not bad because they're they're grabbing onto a cultural moment, but those they, won't last as long as, for instance, the the yeah. like some other things, the um, Old Spice stuff. Like, oh yeah, I'll watch those. They're yeah. actually kind of fun. They, they totally are, and they're interesting. They're weird, and they're they're they kind of zap you out of your thing. But they're also just like they're just selling more. Yeah, bullcrap. Yeah, most most of them, right? Detroit, the Chrysler Detroit stuff. That's all just a story. I, as far as I know, it that's just some marketing story. They're, they're not doing anything in Detroit. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not building anything there. And, and the problem with ads, and it's kind of the problem that we all face, is if you um, if you come up with something new that's interesting, yeah. If everybody else piles on and starts doing that, then it loses its effectiveness. Yeah, you know, so you can't you can't just rely on something that feels really good because it's not going to interrupt people's patterns enough. You yeah. know what I mean? So. 
sometimes I think ads have to be annoying to get people's attention. Well, there, there, I mean, there's this, uh, we, we can get into that later. I'd actually, maybe we'll do a whole episode on some of the theories or the, the, the directions of advertising, mm-hmm. like the difference between Ross or Reeves, Ogilvy, and, um, uh, Burt Bacharach, who I always call Burt Bacharach, but <laughs> Burnbeck, DDBO. Yeah. Um, DDB. DDBO. 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 Boys to Men, ABC, and BBD. The East Coast Family. Indeed. So I love I love anybody in our audience who's 30 plus, just always. For everybody else, like, you know, hey, here's a here's a drum step. Dub step sounds like Transformers doing it. Okay, let's let's keep going to the next one. Shall we? I think I think we should. But this is kind of a hot button issue for me because it's all communication. It's all like in all of these things, in every one of these channels, it's communication. The thing that's going to win for you. Yeah. It might be picking a new channel or trying a new thing, but a lot of the times it's going to be your, your message over time, your, your integrity as a company, the value. I heard uh, Yancey Strickler, the CEO of Kickstarter talking about how they could do a lot right now to make a lot more money. It's, they have they, they have boards and boards full of ideas for that. They're not doing any of them that would sacrifice the relationship that they have with their audience because mm-hmm. the uh, that relationship is the long term win. That yep. sort of integrity as the organization yeah. is long term win. And in some ways, growth and longevity are ironically at intention with one another because you can do things that would grow your business like crazy that would also make it incapable like inescapably short term mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like you can sacrifice and and totally whore yourself out you can you can do that and be left with with far shorter money in the bank in 10 years than if you would have just slowly grown it over time in the right ways and pushed yourself every time but kept kind of people first in some ways. Barrett, I'm curious. Um, I, I know that our uninformed um, ramblings about some channels that we've never used before have probably been yeah. riveting for people, but um, was there anything in the traction book that we should note about using these offline channels? Well, <clears throat> I won't quote anything out of the traction book, but I will give a couple of examples where people, I think, do it well. Um, one is... Uh, MailChimp here in Atlanta, they buy a ton of billboards all over town, especially right around their headquarters here. And they'll do these really cool photo shoots in their offices where like they did this big board with uh, MailChimp letters like sticking out from the board and then they poured uh, cans of paint over it so it was like dripping down in different colors across the MailChimp words. And then they bought billboards and put that photo of the MailChimp, you know, name, but with these like dripping paint, uh, paint cans over it and they're really cool and people love them. Uh, and they did it almost as like an F you to the billboard industry of like, we're going to buy as many of these as we can. And many of them aren't even going to say our name. They're just going to be cool little art projects that we do. Nice. And so that's been a great brand builder for them where they did it well. Um, on the flip side, uh, Mizzen and Maine is a company I've talked about before that sells performance fabric dress shirts. Um, it's run by a buddy of mine and he took an ad out in Esquire last year, full page ad, which was very expensive and it produced almost no results for them. And then they turned around this year and they sponsored Tim, uh, Ferris's podcast, which is obviously, Oh, you think it's talking about Tarm, Tarm Fretz. Tarm Fretz. Tarm Fretz podcast? The author of the uh, 4-Hour Boarding. Yeah, that one. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Yep. So they sponsored his show, and they sold out of shirts for like weeks on end. And they had never done yeah, it and, before. And were those a uh, similar cost? They were kind of in the same in ballpark. In the same ballpark-ish. So this is the thing. I And, and I hope people know that the podcast hopefully is a, a conversation starter yeah. for us. And we'd love to hear from people who have experience with these things. Um, because I, I don't hear of a whole lot of results coming out of using these offline channels for online businesses. Maybe um, offline businesses are well-suited to those. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I see a lot of startups. When you live in San Francisco, you see a lot of startups who obviously just got a yeah. new round of financing, plastering something on a billboard right in downtown, and you wonder, like, is that worth it? Whatever like that costs? Here, here in Portland, there's a company called New Relic, which is it's doing great, but they have a huge billboard right downtown. I'm like, it's almost like they were just taking a note from San Francisco because you know in San Francisco you see like everything about the cloud like it's all like yeah. these big executive like weird enterprisey sort of things which I guess they're competing for talent that's what those billboards are for it's probably come work for us yeah 
maybe that's a new relic with new relics too, but it's like right next to like you know the timbers and the widmer beer and stuff like that where it's like hey this a new is relic and who stuff everybody how gets many behind. people know what that is yeah stuff everybody gets behind and then it's like don't yeah. fool around with the cloud gives new you a relic gives you a clue about how uh valuable developers are right now yeah. oh yeah seriously okay so uh so suffice it to say these these can be super super valuable if you're advil and they could totally be a thing that that's really hard to get into but you could also do a bunch of great stuff with and it's it, it's like anything on this list so let's move on to the so next one i want to make one comment about offline ads they are often expensive you often have to buy a yeah. large quantity a big either in dollars or space at one time and so that can make it expensive for you that's not always the case but it's often the case it's cheaper in south america so if you want a deal just head down to honduras or yeah. something and you throw a billboard up put some up in north korea hell you probably don't even need to ask somebody just put rich one tip from chase reeves rtfc all right channel number 12 our social and display ads so, social and display ads so tell me about these are facebook twitter reddit youtube um Basically, online display ads other than the search engine stuff that we talked about last time. So Facebook ads is this like industry that's evolved now where you've got all these consultants and people teaching how to use Facebook ads and how to target and yada yada. One of our one of our very own, Claire Fizzler, uh, I'll try to find her site and put it in because I know she does great work and she's worked with, with um, Laura Roder in the past. ClairePels.com. Um, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. You just say Pelletro, but her oh. website is clairepels.com. Oh, thanks for that, Claire. You're making it easy there for you us. There you go. Yeah. She avoided the Gillibo problem. She's always on Fizzle Fridays, and I love it. She's great. She's always like, at, at the, she waits. She's super uh, sweet and nice. Uh, a lot of questions come, and then right at the very end, she's like, just, she's like, okay, I'm turning on my webcam. I'm raising my hand. Can you just get to this real quick? <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, so the nice thing about social and display ads as opposed to offline ads is that you can target very specific groups of people because of all the data that these websites collect. So on Facebook, for example, you can get super specific about the kind of person that you're trying to get to see your yeah. ad. Um, similarly, you can do retargeting ads on these platforms where if somebody's visited your site before, you can advertise them to them on these social networks and thing like, things like that. So these can be very effective and they can be much more cost effective as well if you're a small business, which most of our audience is. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that everybody sort of runs to. Hey, I don't have an audience. I don't have. I don't. I don't have the time to build an audience. I just want to get it out to a bunch of people really quick. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are using Facebook ads to uh, validate a business idea, yep. which is a great idea because you can really severely, or not severely, you can really po poignantly target uh, a group of people. Um, I've never mucked around with it uh, because I've always gone the route of just building through through content. We have used ads here before, and it's something we're going to go back to. We don't currently do any advertising, right? We have a little bit. We have retargeting going on on Facebook. On Facebook, so that means then retargeting means if they visit our website, then then within Facebook they'll see an ad to bring them back. If they've if they visited our site but are not yet a member, yeah, they'll occasionally see ads. See, and us. I would love to me that the, the exciting thing about all of this stuff is like imagine someone lands on the homepage. Maybe we can somehow we can at least see that they they landed on the homepage. We've set that bit in their cookie browser thingy. And then they land on Facebook, and Facebook, they show an ad. And it's like, hey, like now we can have fun. Now we can start a dialogue and a conversation. That's true. You know what I mean? Where it's like, now I don't know if we can say present this ad the first time That's and then true. this one the second time. Let's fill in some gaps and make it interesting. That'd, that'd make be it, cool. Make it like they fun. They see a series of things that end up being a story. Rather than like, are you making this mistake in online business? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's just... There's so many things you can do right now. I've heard this great quote. Might as well, might as well bring it out here. Uh, I was trying to save it. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's first of all, there's a big. I got it. You got to watch that Hayao Miyazaki, uh, the documentary on on that thing. But uh, I do. Um, oh wait, this is at the very top here. So there's a, a, a podcast I listen to called Script Notes, uh, where it's about two. It's two uh, people who write screen uh, screenplays, and they're talking about stuff. But this is one of the guys who's been around for a long time. He says. Uh, they were talking, they did this whole episode on the rules of writing a screenplay, right? There's all of these rules for writing a screenplay, just like there's rules for writing a blog post or rules for creating a business or rules for a successful email marketing campaign or something like that, right? We espouse a lot of these rules. But they basically go through all the rules of screenwriting and then they shoot them all down. 
and say like here's a script that uh that didn't do that and was also a badass movie and won best picture and here's a script that didn't do that one right. and was also successful that's great you know and then uh the what he says what craig mazin says is is this he says Listen, if you're a screenwriter and you're trying to basically, you know, make it make it big out there, don't look at these rules. And then I quote, you're going to make it if you're special. And if you're special, generally speaking, rules don't apply. Mm. And there's something in that that's like, ooh, it's, it goes back to that um, that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk video where he's talking, he's on the airplane, he's talking about like, I think people are discounting the importance of DNA. You know what I mean? Like, of, like yeah. it's like like the DNA that you have is really responsible for, uh, like, maybe, uh, like, we're all we're all for this, like, everybody should be able to do a business, create a business. Might not support you and your family for the rest of life, might not, but, like, there's, a, there's this other story that I'm trying to navigate and get, be a, like, understand. It's that, like, I'm here because I couldn't be anywhere else. Like, I, I, I bit into this thing. Same thing with you, and same thing with you, Barrett. It's like, w- the, the same thing with all the fizzlers who are building stuff. You know, we had a lot of fizzlers in our, in our forums that are like, thinking to quit and I'm thinking to quit and you know and that idea is probably worth quitting maybe in that situation but the difference between a failed idea and one that's successful oftentimes is just one of them you didn't quit <laughs> that's it you just gave it more time yep. somehow um but all that to say uh that in these social and display ads in all of these channels there's no there's no rules to this stuff and it's all the wild west if you could see that we're all making this up as we go that these, these 19 channels that we're talking about, and then the best practices for each, every one of them, we were just making it up. One of the things that Craig says in this episode is, if you keep doing what everybody else is doing, you're going to land yourself really quickly in the middle. And, and it made me, it, it was kind of like hit me hard because we know that if you want to make a big, like if you go to a, episode 86, if you want to make a great, huge, big, successful piece of content, you reverse engineer that and yeah. do what everybody else has been doing. Well, and specifically like to bring it back to Facebook ads or yeah. any of these other kinds of display ads, I think a lot of people are probably asking themselves like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Is this like some secret weapon that I don't know about? And yeah. I think the answer is there, there is no answer. Yeah. You could make it a secret weapon. Just like everything else, it's going to take some work because obviously it's not a new frontier anymore. People have been doing these kinds of ads, yeah. just like people have been podcasting and blogging and everything else. So whether you're wondering, should I start a blog? Should I start a podcast? Should I rely on Facebook ads? Should I attend conferences? Like, There's all kinds of different things you could do. Yeah. You could own any one of those channels. I think our advice is probably to focus on just a handful of channels, pick one or two or three and work them long enough so that you get to know the intricacies and you get to a point of a solid return on your investment in that channel. You could do that in a lot of different places. You're going to find some that work better than others because of your specific kind of audience and your strengths. But to say, yes, you should do Facebook ads or no, you shouldn't. I don't think you can, I don't think you can say that. And we've, we've dabbled um, in Facebook ads. And there's so much we could do there to grow our business. And we just have, we're, we're, we, we don't have a lot of time. And we've just made a, we've just made a strategic decision to say that, um, the evidence that we have right now says that we're going to get more return on podcasting and blogging and, uh, some partnerships that we have improvements to the product, improvements to the product, all that kind of stuff and focusing on our members. Yeah. It's not to say that Facebook ads couldn't be a massive channel. We just have to pick our battles and it will be at some point. Yeah. I guarantee that ads will be a big channel for us. Right. Um, so, so that's, that said, social and display ads. I mean, this is like you were saying, Barrett, earlier, like this is like the, this is the really sexy one that a lot, any online business is going like, okay, so what do I need to know about that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the best part about it is there's a lot out there that you can learn and discover from. None of us are experts at it. And the, the best thing is you could get in and just fiddle around, spend 50 bucks on Facebook, uh, trying like AB testing a couple different messages. Yeah. Uh, and, and a picture, different pictures and just see what you learn from that. And then you do that a couple times and you go like, okay, I learned these things, but turns out none of them are actionable yeah. for my product so then you can go like what would be actionable is oh this you know just realize that just you know like with blogging for example you might have to invest a couple of months before you start to find yeah. your voice and start to figure out what people are looking for with facebook ads you're going to have to invest time to figure out what resonates with people and investing in an advertising platform means that you also have to invest money yeah because they're going to charge you for that time so it kind of depends on how deep your pockets are mm-hmm. but I don't think you can reasonably expect to spend 50 bucks on any ad platform and suddenly get to like, you know, 
ROI positive, yeah. you're going to need to probably spend hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars to get to that point. Okay, sure. Barrett, what's the next one? All right, so the next one is engineering as marketing. And so this one usually applies to like SaaS businesses or software businesses. Uh, but a great example of this was HubSpot, HubSpot's marketing grader HubSpot. tool that they made. HubSpurts. Hub, HubSpurts. Uh, HubSpot's marketing grader tool. And what that was, I'm not sure if it's still around or not, but when I used it several years ago, it was basically a thing where you could plug in your website and it would analyze it and give you a checklist of things to do to make your business better positioned to be marketed out there. So it would be like, hey, do you have share buttons on your website? Do you have an opt-in Oh, that's form? a good one. Do if you, have- you don't have share buttons, by the way, like you're probably leaving a lot of money on the table. <laughs> yeah. Get so it's, it's kind of like um, Google's website uh, speed analyzer yeah, as well, right? right? You're yep. saying a, a free tool that gives you some useful information that isn't a product in itself necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Totally. It's built as like this little mini public product that people can use in exchange for email addresses, basically. And so what part of me wants to include like almost like an like an email based course in this just because it feels like it's a product in some ways when you hey we've got a seven day copywriting email course enter your email here and you'll get it right i think away. so the the difference though is that a tool like the marketing grader feels more remarkable totally than does. an email series yeah because everybody does. has an email series and and you can tell that the bar is kind of low there it, it makes me think of um what if clout had made the clout score just a marketing tool for some other product that actually matters. Yeah, no, right. well, I did get a pretty good discount on some Nature Valley granola bars <laughs> right, the other day. Right, exactly. But cl- the cloud score in itself, it's like, okay, great. That's nice. Now what? Did you we know? just make like a clout joke? <laughs> Was that like a, no, I did get a pretty good uh, deal on some Nature Valley granola bars. Hey, yo. I got a free pair of jeans from did you? clout once. See, you yeah. did. I, I just think clout's hilarious. It is hilarious. Okay, Barrett, what, what else on this one? Anything? Um, no, nothing really here. I think this one's tough unless you're a software developer. And if you yeah. are, then you might explore what kind of tool could you replace the freebie ebook giveaway with on your website so that it's more compelling and more interesting to the audience you're trying to build. Okay, cool. So engineering is you're right. You're right in that in that like you kind of need to know how to do uh, some software stuff if you're going to do it yourself. But if you have a great idea that could be really simple, like there's a way you can you you can spend like 150 bucks or or 900 dollars or however much dollars is necessary to build it using a uh, contractor or something like uh, Odesk or or Elance or something like that. So don't don't mark it out because the thing that's interesting about this is it's really unique. There's not a lot of people at least doing this kind of stuff very well. You right. know, you don't run a lot, you don't run across a handful of things that way. What's an idea of how we could do something for Fizzles? So for a, a lot, our audience is interested in, in starting a business. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are wondering what's a topic that they should pick. Yeah. What about like a, an, a business idea evaluation? Evaluator or just like somehow systematizing the, uh, in your choosing a topic course, there's the, uh, weighted average decision matrix, mm-hmm. right? Enter five things. You can't say that. Just Not just them. you. I mean, no one can say that without sounding drunk. Yeah, I would. Do you have what is it? A weighted average decision matrix. <laughs> I was looking for a new business idea. Um, I'm glad you asked. I'll have a martini, please. Uh, would you like me to? Well, I was looking at a decision matrix, but uh, but like for instance, like what are five? Uh, topics that you're interested in doing, right? So imagine if you step-by-step sort of wizarded Yeah, exactly. So I think to make this really um, notable, you need it to be more than just a worksheet that you're letting people have. Yep. Uh, Worksheets are fine, but it's really cool if you can answer a few questions yeah. and then you get this like report yeah at the end. absolutely so uh you, you know so like that and even if like imagine if you're tying into some apis where you're choosing from some list of i'm imagining like in linkedin when you choose what industry you're in you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. like oh art education resources yada yada yada, yada. and it's going like you're tying to some like i don't know google search api or you're just finding words and it's like match a word yeah <laughs> and well, i think for us it. imagine if we could take like 10 questions from our audience and then tell them what business stage they're in and then what's next. Yeah. Or that like where you are on the roadmap. Kind of right. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have an email list? Yes or no. Right. Do you have this, that, or any other? Is your website up? Like, uh, are you, have you made a dollar yet? Do you make $1 billion? Do you own an island? Do you make all the dollars? Let's start with that. Do you own an island? <laughs> no. Yes or no. Have you ever made made money before like no not like earned money like made it like did you ever use construction paper and just make it by yourself <laughs> yep I <laughs> so i think money. we've uh, now completed the engineering as marketing channel okay All good right. what's good. the next one 
<laughs> the next one is business development. Uh, so business development is different from the next one, which is sales. And mm-hmm. business development is about strategically building relationships and partnerships that will help the business grow over time. So sales, by contrast, I'm just going to tackle them both at once. Sales is directly approaching prospects that could be interested in your product and trying to sell them on it. So this is especially something that software as a service businesses do. They'll have inside sales teams. Sometimes if their average deal is big enough, they'll have outside sales teams that travel and go meet with potential clients. Um, Business development, though, a great example of this is our friend at Gumroad named Ryan Delk. And he's been extremely effective at building partnerships with like record labels and uh, whatever hubs of creators basically that are good targets for Gumroad where they'll go and figure out a way to build a partnerships that that's valuable to both ends of the, of the spectrum as far as the other partner and Gumroad so that they can attract more creators to their platform. Let me, uh, so I, I've been, involved in several partnerships um, or conversations about partnerships, both with my last startup and a little bit um, even with Fizzle. There are partnerships, like you mentioned, with Gumroad and uh, Ryan Delk, where he's essentially out there trying to sell um, a record label on encouraging their artists to use Gumroad or requiring them in some sense yeah. to use Gumroad. But the integration is fairly easy. Basically, once the agreement's in place, then the tool, as is, can be used without a whole lot of modification. That's yeah. right. So, so in that case, really, the work of that business development or partnership is just in the conversation, in the sales process. On the other hand, I've seen a lot of partnership deals where there's very little work in the conversation. The real work has to happen after the agreement is formed to integrate two technologies together. Yeah. And those things can lead to just massive quagmires, to be honest. Um, You can get stuck in the weeds for months because what happens is we all aspire to make these partnerships work and especially the salespeople who are involved. Yeah. But the organizations themselves don't have the bandwidth, especially not at the same time, to line up the integrations as they need to happen. So um, one example uh, for Fizzle we were approached by a company that provides training to university library systems. And, um, you know, there was a potentially fairly large royalty agreement um, that we could participate in, but it would have required us to send them all of our videos, to edit the videos in a certain way, and really to reformat our entire library. Yeah. And so you just look at what the potential revenue is and then the, the reality of, are we going to have enough time to do this? And how does this distract us from simply improving the product as we have it for our existing audience. And um, we decided against it in that case. So I think, you know, beware of the implementation details when you're trying to sign partnerships. Yep. Yeah, it can be a big deal. It cannot lead to much, but it also can put your your name on the map. So, and, it's, and you can never know. It's a risk reward, just like everything else in business. Yeah, you have a, a friend uh, in town here who is working on a really big partnership with a really big Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And they're a tiny, tiny startup. And yeah. if that goes well, then it's a home run for them, obviously. Totally. It's but all, it's also like such a big partnership that it's requiring all their eggs right. in that one basket. Right. So if it goes away, if they wake up, if the big company goes, you know what? Never mind. We changed our mind. Then they're screwed. It's like it's like building a business on Google. Yep. You know. Okay. And, and now and that so, was both like any of that? these channels. It really depends on the stage you're at and and what you need to accomplish in this stage of growth. And so, like for us, in that example you gave Corbett, if we had a 20 person team and we could dedicate two or three people to that without it harming our other efforts in the business, it might've been a good deal to pursue. It it may be. But at the point we were at, we had three team members or two or whatever, and Mm -hmm. it made zero sense. Yep. So, um, so before we wrap up sales, I don't know if you had anything else to say about it, but, um, I just wanted to mention that when it comes to sales, really the amount of lifetime value that you earn from each customer determines the kind of sales force that you're going to use. So, For example, if you're in an advertising business where you're earning money from advertisers, then you really you're earning pennies per customer, lifetime value. If you're selling, say, custom software solutions, or if you're like a uh, a, a design shop or something, yeah. then you might have 
fifty or a hundred thousand dollars in lifetime value from a customer. So in that case, you could afford to have salespeople out there, like our good friend Andy, yeah. out there pounding the pavement looking for work, yep. um, trying to sell directly into it. And the sales cycle might take a couple of months for some of those clients. It might take two years for, for us. Some. For us with Fizzle, it wouldn't make sense to have salespeople out there trying to sell each individual account because our yeah. lifetime value is a couple of hundred dollars per client. But to have a sales a person, one person on the team responsible for business development, saying like, "Hey, Udemy, how could we work exactly. together? Hey, hey, Creative Live, hey, the, yada yada yada." Yep. So that's just some some basic startup math. Um, yeah. But think about it when you're BSM basic basic basic. <laughs> <laughs> Backfired. And a possible sunset alligators. <laughs> okay, what's the next one? All right, so the next one is uh, one we're very familiar with, which is affiliate programs. So the like famous one online would be Bluehost or Aweber or any of the ones that we see all over the web. Yeah. Where so the, the the thing here is you are selling someone else's product. So exactly. you either create a website that other people are finding before you're fi- before they're finding. The product itself's website. And so, for instance, if you go to aeropresso.com, which I started uh, like nine years ago uh, with a simple video that I that is not that is actually poor form. Like it's not even how I would you do a uh, an aeropress now. But uh, my dream with that was that like people would find that instead of uh, anything else when Look they search for aeropress. Dabbling with niche sites back uh, in the day. Well, mostly it was just. A, I mean, this is a product like the aeropress is a coffee maker, like little twenty dollar coffee maker thing that I fell in love with. 10 years ago so much so that I, I like i contacted the factory and i was like so how much is a case and how much is in there and and because i was like i'm gonna sell this i'm gonna sell this for sure to like all my friends i bought a case for 250 dollars and got like 25 of them or something or 20 of them i think and subsequently sold none because i gave all of them away to my friends you know it's like oh dude have you heard of the aeropress <laughs> and and, uh, and you're like here like take one. like no i'm like oh dude take one of these you're gonna love it yeah little did i know when i gave out the last one i was like I didn't sell a single one. <laughs> you learned something about sales. I learned something about myself. <laughs> so, so in this in this case, the the channel that Barrett's talking about is the opposite of that. So, in this case, you would be Aeropress, yeah, and you would be well. What I what I turned Aeropresso into is now it's just like an Amazon link. So right. I'm selling it through Amazon, selling someone else's products. I'm like, I can merchandise this product better than you can, right? So, and and sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's just like I own that keyword. Now. No, but what I'm saying is. The channel that Barrett's talking about is the opposite of that. Mm. So in this case, we, Fizzle, would be using other people to sell our product. Or Amazon would be using affiliates to sell their products. Exactly. And um, the idea is that you're tapping into um, either some big fish out there who have really big audiences, Mm -hmm. and you're maybe doing, you're talking to them directly saying, hey, um, you know, would you mind promoting my thing? I'll give you X, Y, and Z for it. Or you're just opening up a general affiliate program, hoping that you get a lot of little affiliates out there who are just selling yep. your stuff. Totally. It's sort of, it's a little bit like network marketing, except there's no pyramid scheme involved, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But the idea is just paying people, paying independent salespeople. So if you want to get on Fizzle's weak leg, you, or the strong leg, you can, <laughs> you ever, were you ever part of any multi-level marketing thing? Oh, legs. That's you right. Remember there's like, you're, oh, you're on my strong leg, so I can't pay you on that. Uh, what is that? Come on, people. If if you're involved in anything and there's like a leg and you only get paid on one of your legs, just get out now. Yeah. I was in there too. And yeah, you can make a living doing that. Make a living doing something better. What were you selling? I was selling Mona V, baby. Oh, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. Was that like that expensive juice? It's expensive acai juice. I had that juice. You take a shot of it in the morning. Yeah. I, <laughs> my, my, uh, let's just say my body detoxed for about seven days. <laughs> my uh, My wife's ex-stepfather. Um, he got me involved in Amway. Yeah, when I was nineteen, I've heard I've heard an interview with a guy with recently that um that uh he only sells his product through Amway, and it's it's a, it's an energy drink drink or something, but it's like all natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. He's like, they we're just killing it right now. I would never change anything. This is the best relationship. I mean, you a lot of people had bad relationships with Amway, but but what, there's this other side where it's actually really great. And so I've never had any personal experience with Amway. And I don't, so I'm not the one to say, but the hearing that, that was the first time I've ever heard anything positive about, about working with Amway. Well, I think they're all pretty similar. Yeah. Herbal so life. affiliate yeah. programs are pretty sure. common online. Um, we actually haven't yet made a course with this as a marketing channel for your business. We do have the we flip really, side of it. Yeah, we really should because we've, um, 
we have sold a lot of products over the years yeah. through affiliates and it works out pretty well. And the funny thing times. is like, for example, like, you know, you look at a guy like Pat Flynn and it's like, Hey, he's got this massive podcast, this massive blog. He sells things. He's got books and stuff. Well, where does like over 50% of his revenue come from? It comes from basically selling Bluehost. It comes from a handful of really big pieces of content right. where he's like, here's how you set up a website. So for Bluehost, um, that's a significant channel yeah. affiliate. And yeah. and for us, it's it's not a bad channel. Um, we have a closed, an invitation-only affiliate program. Yeah. We also have a customer referral program, and maybe that's a channel that you're going to get to, Barrett. Um, but we do make significant sales occasionally by working with some bigger partners like Pat Flynn. Yeah. And the reason why we clamp down on that is because like, well, we have a, I have a, I, I have a brand I want to, I want to con- control the messaging of. Right. And I can't have some crazy Nazi person out there going like, if you're also a Nazi, you could sign up for Fizzle. You know what I mean? And, 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 and specifically we, with Startup Blog That Matters and other products that we had, um, we had open affiliate programs mm-hmm. and when you incentivize people to talk about your stuff in exchange for commissions, yeah. it can cause a lot of noise and bull out there yeah. and you can't really control it. And, and with start a blog that matters, people, um, registered Twitter accounts acting as if they were me, yeah. uh, and did a lot of kind of squirrely stuff. And what you find is that about 5% of our affiliates accounted for 95% of our sales. Yeah. Even though we had like 2,000 affiliates who signed up because we were using a platform called ClickBank. And mm-hmm. I really don't recommend it. It's a it's a big pain in the ass if mm-hmm. you care about your brand. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's affiliate. So since you mentioned it, we are not going to touch on customer referrals because in terms of this book, that was part of uh, viral marketing where... Like the way we do customer referrals VM. is for your first uh, for your first referral, you get like twenty percent off for life, and then for every referral thereafter, you get ten percent off for life from your Fizzle membership. So after nine customer referrals, uh, you get free Fizzle membership for life, right? After possible nine customer referrals, I give you twelve customer referrals. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, Barrett, don't pull that out too often, but do pull it out occasionally. I will occasionally. <laughs> I just laid off on that one so that it's special next Good. time. Let it, let it breathe. Let it breathe. Um, and so that's almost a way to, it's this equivalent of Dropbox giving you free storage when you get a friend to join. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like building virality into the product in some ways. Virility. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that too. All right. Yeah. So yeah. we are on Potency. number yeah. 17. Yeah, um, we're going to come to a, to a closure pretty soon. We're going to wrap so. this up fast. So we've yeah. got three more here. The first one is existing platforms. So what does that mean? Well, uh, for us, like let's say if we didn't want to build a membership site, we just wanted to do courses and that's it. Udemy might be a great place for us to host our courses and then promote those to our audience. Or even even if we do want to get the word out about Fizzle, we could put a free course at Udemy. That's very right? true. One of our more popular courses, sure. hey, there's more courses like this over at Fizzle. Yep. Yep. You know? um, so so this is any plat so it could be I the iOS platform selling exactly. apps. It could be Amazon selling books or something else. The idea is just to play within someone else's ecosystem where there's a big collection of potential customers. Yeah. And you have, uh, so it's like another thing is like Amazon for books. Do you know what I mean? You're playing in their platform. Yeah. I that's just said the, that. <laughs> sorry. I was drinking water, so I can't really hear when I'm drinking can't water. Hear oh, drink man. At the same time. I no, but you're exactly ears. right, Chase. You know what? That's a great I example. I loved your face, though. That's your a great face. Point. Your face, when you looked at me, you're like, what are you talking about? I just said that. <laughs> I'm looking at you thinking, like, He's what, got, are you going to, are you pulling angle? my leg here? <laughs> Totally. <laughs> totally. So this okay. one, Are you kidding me? The, the challenge with existing platforms is that oftentimes we see people counting on that, like simply putting your course on Udemy being the solution to finding customers. And that's usually not the case. Yeah, it so, is not. Yes, it can be a great opportunity. And sometimes you can get highlighted by curators of those different platforms. But more often than not, it's more like a solution for the technology that you don't want to make on your own or it's a way for you to get in front of an audience, but you're still going to have to do a lot to promote it to the people who shop there. What are other platforms? What are other, I mean, SoundCloud. SoundCloud yeah, exactly. Um, what else? YouTube, I guess. I mean, some, mm-hmm. some, sometimes the lines are drawn are blurred between, is this a social media channel or yeah. is this a... And and for a lot of these, um, like Amazon and, and um, the App Store and all this kind of stuff, 
there there is some luck involved like whether or not the editors like see your thing and highlight you yeah there might be some back channels maybe you know an editor on the platform they oh, could i'm gonna get you. into that back channel if um, you know what i mean but in a lot of cases you need to prime the pump with oh i'm priming it with reviews with uh purchases and other things so if you have a little bit of a list yourself or the ability to get some people to um go check out your thing all at once in the beginning, yeah. then that might boost your rankings enough that you start appearing on some lists, you know, right. some top 100 lists or whatever for yep. different channels. And, uh, and then maybe the platform Kickstarter is another example. Yeah. Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a great example. So if you go to Kickstarter on your, which by the way, they're they're How have they not already been on our list of the companies that we always say MailChimp, Squarespace, Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It was in two interviews with Yancey Strickler where I was just like, Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to be paying more attention to how they're building their business mm-hmm. because they're one it's of true. the companies we want to be like. That's true. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I sidetracked you. Anyway, no. that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. So two more. Uh, Eighteen is trade shows, and I'm going to be honest. I don't know anything about trade shows other than I the do. fact that I know oh, that Chase they're does. often industry specific. Is that right? Yeah, and that's that's where the the that's anything that good that's good that's happened for me in trade shows. It was not in in fizzle. It was in exist pre existing things, but uh, was always because it was an industry specific event. Got it. So we go to things like uh, New Media Expo, which is all bloggers, podcasters, new media people. That's really broad still. So if you go to an exhibitor floor there, it's like really broad. And it's sort of like you can get anything. If you go to like um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the big uh, tech one that's in Vegas the um, CES. Yeah, if you go to CES, it's just like a behemoth. And That's one of the biggest. It's the biggest. And it, and it's just like you're just kind of fumbling around. You're just kind of going through the stream of like what is being what is going on in this, you know, arena out here. Yep. Um but if you go to very specific things like, you know, compliance and litigation technology uh lawyer conference, right? And you happen to make a compliance and litigation software, software yeah. right? It's like, "Oh, well, there's five other exhibitors there. That's true. And, uh, and and you're talking directly to the people where you can not only get a lot of great feedback on your product, on what they want from a product, on what their current like world looks like. Yep. But then you're also like, you know, that might be the buyer for some some big law firm or something yeah. like that. Or um, where you and I met for the first time, Blog, yeah. blog World, which mm-hmm. I guess they call New Media Expo. That's a bit of a trade show because it it has like two parts. There yeah. are talks, yeah. but also there's just an exhibitor area where WordPress is always there because it's a blog yep. focused conference um, and a bunch of other software vendors. Yeah. And so you can imagine it might pay off for you to pay for a booth, which is, you know, usually these are pretty expensive yeah. at a trade show. You might be paying five or $10,000 or something for a booth for totally. a couple of days, um, depending on the size of it, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, you have to have somebody man it. And you gotta have, I remember working, you gotta get gear. I remember working the, uh, the Clark County fair. Oh, yeah. As a, as a young lad Very for, for one of my first Very employers. So anyway, uh, you have to man a booth and talk to people as they come by and hopefully you influence those people enough to check out. I your was stuff. running by the river and they're setting up the, uh, the fair, <laughs> the fair, the like little, like the, all the rides and stuff right on the water, on the water there. Like Oaks Park, you mean? Uh, no, it, right uh, where we ran uh, just right downtown. Portland. Oh, really? And one of the trucks, it's like, uh, you know, fun, fun village, uh, carnivals. And the quote was, don't you leave your children alone with us. The quote was in quotes, quite possibly dot, dot, dot. One of the better carnivals in the world. Quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. In quotes. <laughs> All right. Keep going. What's the next one? Nice. Uh, the last, the 19th marketing channel is community building. Uh, and so the idea around this is is creating like a passionate group of people that are oriented towards your brand or product. Uh, so you can think of things like Hacker News or Quora or Stack Exchange or Wikipedia or maybe even Fizzle um, yeah. and using community building as a way to build a common identity amongst all the people that are your customers or your users so that they they become advocates for you, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, Reddit definitely has that. People identify themselves as Redditors, like yep. if they're really serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that to some degree with Fizzlers, yeah. sort of a thing. Um, what are some other examples of that? Of people just sort of identifying as mm-hmm. as, as a community people who'd be there. Uh, Republicans, mm. <laughs> Democrats, um, Scientologists, Scientologists. Whoa, that's a big one right now. Back scratchers. That's a big one. People who have watched the Jinx on HBO. Nice. I have not. 
I have not. That's another one. Uh, um, let's see. People who watch Walking Dead. I think games can sometimes have that effect. Oh yeah, World of Warcraft. Yep. Uh, whatever, whatever that one is with the with the the lady with the uh, she's almost got some clothes on. Uh, they're advertising a lot right now. I can't remember what it is. Oh, one of those World of Warcraft yeah, games. It's like it's like Game of War or something like yeah. that. But yeah. it's mostly just it's mostly it's, it's mostly just flesh looking at me uh-huh. <laughs> and that like all the ads that they yeah, have following. Like, I must check out this game. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you might say people it. who like shop geeks, at Whole Foods can, are kind of how a can geeks be too. saving the world and ruining the world all at the same time? It's sad. No, it's what it's who we are. Nice. Yeah. So that's nineteen. So I want to round this out with the the framework that they give you for kind of testing and choosing the channels you're going to focus on. Because if we go back to the beginning of last episode, you'll remember that we said the idea is to choose three to test and one to focus on for this stage of growth of your company. Mm. And with the objective of hitting your next growth milestone, basically. So they give this five-step framework for uh, choosing the channel you're going to focus on in this book. And so step one is to brainstorm ways you might use each of these channels. So yeah, there's 19 channels, but there are many different ways you might pursue each channel. So step one is to kind of brainstorm different ways you could use the channels that are interesting to you. Um, step two is they kind of tell you to put them in three buckets, an inner circle, uh, potential opportunities, and long shots. So inner circle being like, these are the ones that actually seem viable. Potential are like, eh, these might work if we really put some work in. And long shots are, these are probably not good ideas for us right now. Yeah, this is, Chris Johnson brought something similar up that stuck with me ever since in his founder story, where he's like, uh, for instance, it would be really good for my company if uh, we got on Oprah. <laughs> right. But it's a long shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? That The likelihood of that happening is very low. Right, so there's impact and likelihood. And yeah. you kind of go for the... High impact, high likelihood stuff. Yes, first. exactly. Four. You could do four quadrants. You could do. You could do five if you want. <laughs> he just stares at me blankly. Okay, sorry. Keep There's kind of like two factors here. One is, um, do you have the ability to execute on it right now? And the second is, is this channel going to get you the? Is it the best way to get you to your next milestone, whatever that yeah. is? So if your goal is to reach your freedom number this year, then that equates to a certain amount of growth for you. And so that's kind of the two factors that you're looking at for ranking your brainstormed ideas. Yep. Step three is to prioritize them. So if you have more than three in your inner circle portion, you need to pick the top three and say, these are the ones we're going to go out and test. Okay. Then with those three, step four is to test them. So actually go out and spend enough money or put in enough effort to get some data back about how effective that channel can be. Mm-hmm. And some suggested data that they give that we're going to have to translate a little bit for our audience is, number one, cost to acquire customers through that channel. Number two, how many customers are available on this channel? Number three, are these the customers you want? These aren't the droids you're looking for. And number four is, how long is it going to take you to get paid back on your investment you made in winning that customer. Mm-hmm. So do y'all want to add some color to some of that? Well, uh, something you said that stuck out right away, made a little ding, ding, ding sound in the back of my head, uh, is are these the customers you want? Yep. Because you can love or hate your business simply based on the kinds of customers that you're attracting. Yeah. And it may be that there's nothing wrong with the business itself, the model, the product, how you're approaching it. It's just the kinds of people that you're getting in the door are making your life a royal pain because yeah. they're not going to get the value from it. They're going to be much more um, expensive to, to you to support. And uh, and that's something that I think a lot of people overlook. They just look at the raw numbers. I need. Yeah. I want X number of people in the door and they don't really care about the quality of those customers. And I think that that's especially important for us with our you know independent businesses where we're not typically talking about you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And when you, you're going to, you're going to probably have to be answering your support requests yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, and things like that. But beyond even that, beyond even just how much you, you like or dislike the people who who you're interacting with through your business. It's also the fact that you could spend a, 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 quite a bit of time and resources getting a lot of people to your website, but very few of them are converting. That is an also as another signal that like yep. you're getting the wrong kind of person. Yep, you're getting people that don't have this problem. And for any of these channels, it's not just how many people convert, but 
what is their lifetime value, yeah. you know, because you could you could find a channel where, wow, it seems like people sign up really easily. And then it turns out that they all refund or they all leave, yeah. you know, within a month or whatever. Yeah, totally. And there's one more step, Barrett, is so that right? Step five is to focus. So after you've gotten this data back from your test, to focus on the one channel that's most likely to get you to your next growth milestone. And the kind of basis they lay out for this is that every channel can work at a given stage of your business. Um, that doesn't mean it will work, but it means it can. And it's likely to work for a time and then to get you to a point where it no longer helps you grow. It kind of gets to a maintenance level, basically. Main level. We call it main level. Exactly. So like for us right now, we're kind of experiencing a little bit of that where if we only do our podcast and our blog, we kind of maintain a pretty good level of membership. We replace the amount of people who leave us, um, but we're not growing at some massive rate unless we pursue some other stuff. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of when you want to go and start the process over to say, all right, now at this stage of the business, what's the next milestone and how are we going to get there? Yeah, to me, one of the things that sticks out about this, what's so great about listing them all out like this, talking about each one, a lot of them you get to just kind of draw a red line through and go like, okay, well, we're not dealing with that. Right. We're not doing trade shows or offline ads. And, you know, We're not doing a lot of these things that we can't do. But there's a, there's a handful that you probably didn't think about. You're like, oh, you know what? What partnerships could we pursue mm -hmm. in this? I wonder if we did advertising in a way, if we could recoup that money within a relatively short amount of time. Would that yeah. be even viable? Well, not unless you have something to sell. Well, and I, I really like that Barrett ended this with the evaluation framework because yeah. it's so easy to hear all 19 of these and then just have this endless debate in your head uh, about vague pros and cons. Yeah. And until you sit down, and I think even just that categorization of what's the potential impact of this, what's the potential likelihood or what's the cost of it or something like that, yeah. that implies difficulty versus impact that'll it, that'll weed things out pretty quickly and narrow it down and let you know which ones you should move forward with you know i was thinking about um how long it would take me to run five thousand miles i think i've ran like 1700 your 5k you're gonna run a 5k i run my 5k <laughs> i run like 1700 at this point over the last you know i don't know how many years of running and i did the math for if i run three times a week i typically run around 11 miles and let's say I missed, you know, 15 weeks a year or something like that. Um, it would take, I could run about a thousand miles a year. So it'll take me another three years kind of to get there, right? The way to look at this is not like, oh, I, which one am I going to do first? Which one am I going to do next? Or which one is the right one? The thing is, is like, if you think about running for the next three years, and like, just like, yeah, basically three times a week for the next three years will give me to 5,000 miles. It's very different than going like, where am I going to run next? How am I going to run? What's the best running to run? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you could look at this in a very like sort of, which is the right one to pick? Or you can go like, oh, this is going to be a constant set of experiments mm -hmm. to figure out, uh, you know, not only which ones we can do, but which ones end up working best. Because yeah. you can do any of these if you really want to. And the cool thing is in the beginning, you have so little to go on yeah. in terms of, you know, actual knowledge of which one of these is going to work. You might as well just throw a dart, pick one, mm -hmm. you know, after you do a little bit of evaluation and dive into it and yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. So like that ranking of, of, uh, you know, even if you just, if you just ranked, you know, what are the most likely, you just have all 19 in a spreadsheet. What are the most, uh, likely to, that you can do these things? Like doing a billboard, not very likely. Right. Right. But, but I don't have 50 grand writing a blog post, writing 25 blog posts, you know, yeah. creating some sort of a content schedule, mm -hmm. uh, doing some Facebook advertising. These are much more likely that you can do them. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, there's maybe a handful of other things you could rate them by. Is yep. there a lot of competition? Is there, yeah. There's a lot of competition in Facebook advertising or Google now, advertising. Not to complicate this, but of course, Within each of these categories, we probably talked about, in a lot of them, we talked about half a dozen yeah, different options. Things. So it's 19 times however many, five yeah. at least. So we're probably talking about 100 different options. So narrow down to the category and then narrow down from within the category to the specific subchannel. Yeah, and I would say, like, to get into that quote, if you're special, the rules don't apply. And you might need to be special to, to win this stuff. But you don't know if you're special until 30 years from now. That's the irony of, of, of this is so you got to just kind of like, well, I don't know yet. Or so what am I going to do? Well, this is the job. Try and stuff out. So pick some, I throw some darts, pick some things, try some stuff out because you already, just like with our roadmap episodes, episodes 100 to 105, 
this, we laid out this huge roadmap of like, here's the stages that your business can go through. Now you have, you can place yourself. Well, with this list as well, you can place yourself. Well, I've tackled that one. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to kind of keep that ongoing. Like for a lot of people in our audience are doing content stuff. It's just, it's kind of like a slow progression, the long obedience in the same direction. And it, and it will reward, it comes back with rewards, but they're not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's like one day you're going to get, to have run 5,000 miles. So in the meantime then, okay, what can I spin up another cycle over here that's trying advertising or that's trying, you know, email or that's trying one of these other uh, sort of things. And that discipline um, of sticking with something long enough to know if it's actually going to work and whether or not you put enough effort into it, that just takes experience and practice, I think, yeah. um, to get to that point. And sometimes you need to take the focus off of the i know barrett said to focus at the end but sometimes when you're so focused on is this giving me results am i getting results am i getting results over and over again hitting hitting refresh uh you burn out on it too quickly when you know really you just got to chill out because you need at least two months or something right invested in this thing before you can see if it works yeah so my last thought here yeah my last thought here is you can't make money on any of this if you don't have something for sale and so if you don't have a product or a service available yet then this you're not here yet. So don't go doing this if you don't have any way to gain customers because there is no cost to acquire a customer if they can't become your customer. So Now, I, I completely agree, except uh, that we often counsel people that when you have a product coming out, it's nice to have a little bit of an audience waiting already. Definitely. At least a, a, you know, a, an interest list of some sort. And so some of these channels might help you build that interest list even before you have a product, but beware that it's all going to be, um, you know, investment without knowing if it's going to pay off or not. Yep. I'm going to put in the show notes, uh, our episode 35, which is a, the beginning of a four part series that we did on making your first product. Nice. Uh, remember when we did those interviews with folks? It's really good. Nailed it. It's a really a special time. So I'm going to go ahead and add that to the show notes here. Good. Well, is that it guys? That's it. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. And we will see you there. Never gets old. So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 108 is where you're going to find a link to the episode where we kick off a four-part series on creating your first product. That, as well as all the other notes and links from the show, again, fizzleshow.co slash 108. That's F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 108. Numbers are getting higher, man. Here's an iTunes review from Justin Genier from the Netherlands. He says, I just want to say thanks. Never felt more understood as an entrepreneur who wants to make something he's proud of than by you guys. Wow. Thanks so much, Justin. I love hearing that from you and from all the other iTunes reviewers. Uh, and so to you, dear listener, if you haven't left us a review yet, you know, our goal here is, is obviously to help you make progress on your business every week. And we do that by spending time creating these episodes, uh, creating our blog posts as well, and all this stuff that we just make available for free. So if you could leave us an iTunes review, that'd be awesome. But if not, uh, maybe just share an episode with a friend. Hope you like this one. Remember, no matter how hard it gets or how hot it gets, we're all humans. We're in this together, and you're not alone. And this isn't a win-lose, zero-sum game. You've got some time to make something you care about. So find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.